welcome to Basketball with Glasses, a show by and for college basketball nerds. I'm your host, Bryson Harvey, and joining me, as always, even when we don't publish the, po- the episode, <laughs> Luke Smith. Hey, Luke. Hey. So uh, we had some nice weather today in between all the snowing, and you know what it made me think of? What's that? It made me think of March. <laughs> it made me yes. long for March. It's with, we can see, I can see it coming. We're a month away. We are 28 days away from March. I'm already preparing my wife for the fact that you and I are going to have like a nine hour podcast on Selection Sunday, (laughs) Selection Sunday. So, yeah, it's going to start with the second half of the SEC championship and just roll through. uh, I might have to take the next day off work. (laughs) It might, it might have to happen. Um, Fortunately, although I am a teacher, I'm not in front of children and lecturing every day. So um, if my voice gives out after a nine-hour podcast, that's okay. Um, it's not a hazard for my work. I can still... Oh, I was, I was thinking I might have to take off work because we might still be recording the podcast <laughs> when you start to that, work. There's that too. There's that too. Um, all right. Well, uh, as I alluded to earlier, our uh, last week's podcast, which you'll notice didn't get uploaded... Um, was a snafu on my error uh, on my side, and I uh, apologize. Um, I will be publishing at least a portion of that episode um, because we had a pretty good conversation that I think is fairly, um, as they say, evergreen, uh, mm. where we talk about some of the coaching vacancies and the state of programs and how ridiculously overqualified and underqualified some of the candidates are. And I'm mostly un- entered, underqualified. And- <laughs> And if you enter Rick Patino into any coaching conversation, it automatically gets more interesting. Yes. You could, you know, you could share our big 12 SEC challenge predictions and see how wrong we were. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> we funny. can definitely Even do no that. One would care. Right. Well, and then the other part, I guess, that is also evergreen is the fact that we curse every single team that we talk about. So, yes. you know, um, that it- hasn't changed since we started this podcast. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, just so listeners know, on uh, Sunday during the NFL playoffs, Bryson, after Cincinnati won, Bryson just mentioned the fact that we should, he jokingly said we should put money on San Francisco, and they immediately lost in terrible fashion. So, yes. Curse is uh, alive that, and well. Yes, that heartbreak was uh, predetermined, um, as it were. Um, so... All right. Well, anyway, this one will we'll go up. Um, hopefully, we're recording this February 1st, so hopefully you will get this in your podcast feed um, February 2nd, assuming all goes well. So that is the plan. Well, tonight we have a full menu of things to talk about, um, so let's go ahead and dive in with new frames. Um, and this week, instead of talking about how terrible some coaches in, our, in, the, in the country mm-hmm. are doing, we're going to talk about some of the best lineups in the country. And, and Luke, you had some interesting um, tidbits or comparisons that you wanted to make. And we are primarily relying on Evmia yep. and the data found at evmia.com uh, to help, uh, you know, collect and analyze all of this stuff. So with that being said, um, what are some of the lineups that are worth looking at? Yeah, so we talked about this earlier in the season, probably just a couple weeks in, and uh, we looked at three-man lineups and five-man lineups. And now, you know, there's tons more um, 
pieces of data. There's a lot more possessions to look at. And so now if you, if you go to Evamia's website and you put in, you know, the maximum amount of possessions it lets you do, which is different depending on how many players you have selected, no matter which one you do, what you see is Gonzaga, 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 Kentucky, Gonzaga, 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 Kentucky, pretty much. So the two player lineups, you've got three top three are Gonzaga, 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 Kentucky, Kentucky, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Villanova, Villanova, Kentucky, Kentucky. So you go to three man, um, you crank it up as high as it'll go, and you have Kentucky and the rest are Gonzaga. And then that one Kentucky bookmarking it at the at the other side. And then um five player which you uh, go up which and it's, which uh if I can ask, uh which sure. um which element are you sorting it by? Are you sorting it by um it should be um adjusted team efficiency margin? Yes. I believe okay. I believe that's what it's being sorted by. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've got, I've got some different numbers that I'm looking at. Interesting. I've got Duke having the best three man lineup in the country with the maximum possessions. Now, which which what is four fifty? I have it yes. up to four fifty. I do too. I see Oscar. Oh, Sheep. I do. He just knows who I am. Yeah. No. No. Wait. It it took a minute to refresh. Now we're oh, good. I see. I see it now. <laughs> yeah. So you got Sheboy, Washington, and Wheeler with a, a, a adjusted team efficiency margin of 48.4, which is pretty daggone good. And then after that, you've got uh, Bolton, Nemhart, Timmy, Bolton, Holmgren, Nemhart, and just a ton of, just basically every Gonzaga combination you can come up with are the next nine. And then it's followed by Keon Brooks, of all people, Oscar Sheboy, (laughs) Tata Washington, which makes me think that Sheboy and Washington just make pretty much anybody look, look good. Yes. Um, well, let's, yeah, let's crank so. this one up to the five player. What do you see there? Okay, let's go five players. Let's go. This one only goes to 200 possessions. Mm-hmm. You actually see a different team. You see Illinois. Okay. I'm that's, assuming that's, that's your starting five. Um, Cockburn, Frazier, Grandison, Plummer, and Williams, I think, all starts. Yeah, because Curbelo's been hurt most of the year. Right. right. And so then you I have Gonzaga th- starting five. And then you've got Kentucky starting five. And then Arizona. So basically, it's like, it is kind of surprising to see Illinois so high, considering that, um, I mean, they're well ranked in these, you know, these metrics like Ken Palm and Torvik. They have them higher than their, their uh, poll ranking. Mm-hmm. But they're not like top ten, so it's interesting to see that them at the top of this list. Maybe yeah. they need to play that lineup more. <laughs> Could be. I mean, they've only played two hundred possessions or two hundred and four offensive possessions together, um, so it's sort of the bare minimum. Um, but then that's that's really interesting. Um, so really, um, I think. Well, I'll ask you, who out of the Gonzaga lineups and who out of the Kentucky lineups, I mean, with Kentucky, I feel like it's pretty obvious at this point, mm-hmm. but um, who, who, what is the key there? Yeah, for Kentucky, I believe it's having um, Oscar, obviously. I don't think you would see a 
um, lineup with of Kentucky's being that high without Oscar, but also the two point guards together having Ty Ty and um, Wheeler playing together is significantly better than the alternative. I, I actually didn't know that that would actually work out because um, back at the no the Notre Dame game in December. They played together. Wheeler, it didn't seem like he was going to actually be able to play in games like that. But they've adjusted, and and those two together, like Washington is a really good change of pace ball handler. Shebray just gets every rebound imaginable. I don't know if you how much of that Kansas game you watched, but there were three Kansas players down there, and Oscar got his own rebound three times. He just took it right out of their hands. They just they didn't even like put up a fight. It was like me playing basketball with my kid. Is what it reminded me of. So um, he's anything you know, efficiency related. He's going right. to be towards the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested to look at Gonzaga from the three-player metric. So let me pull that one back up. So there, it's like basically every combination of their starting five is in the top ten here. Uh, three-man pairings or of their starting five. So you have Bolton, Nimpard, Timmy um, are the top one, but just barely, just by a couple decimal points going all the way down to Bolton, Strother, Timmy. Timmy's involved in a lot of them. Holmgren's involved in a lot of them. Who have also noticed that the advanced stats really, really like Holmgren. Yes, um, they do. They really like Bolton. Um, yes, they do. So... It's interesting. If you look at the individual players, so I, I've kind of flipped it over a little bit to look at just individual players. Um, looking at it as of today, the February 1st, if you're looking at the top players by um, with 750 possessions, and the reason why I cranked it down there is because you have to kind of get it that low in order to get a lot of the Gonzaga players because they've been playing in a mm. lot of blowouts and they've been yep. sitting the bench um, the last, you know, fourth quarter of games. Um, so with that in mind, the top five in the country is Timmy one, Holmgren is two, Oscar is three, Grayson Murphy from Belmont is four, mm. And number five is Ty Ty Washington, who is just ahead of Paolo. Yep. So I think that's that's very telling to me um, just because of kind of what we think about these teams, you know, and we also, I think, was it two weeks ago, we ranked our top five. Yeah. Um, and I picked UK number one, and I know mm-hmm. that, that at the time seemed very crazy, especially after they lost at Auburn, um, who is sort of right now the number one team uh, in the yeah. country. Yeah, we'll uh, see. We'll see. <laughs> I think UK is going to have a little bit more to say about that. Um, but, you know, I picked UK number one because I felt like they had um, the talent in Oscar Shibway as a, as a front-running player of the year candidate. And I felt like, just like when we did the when I was back doing the team trackers, it really felt like they were guard play away from being a, a championship level yeah. team, um, but it wasn't there yet. It wasn't consistent. You had Ty Ty Washington, a freshman, trying to get used to everything, um, and so it there was definitely an adjustment period to start the year. Um, Cal didn't kill his teams this year with a ton of tough games up front, 
So um, I felt like they developed, they got better, and and now they're at the point where they are top five players in the country, and that's what you need. You need multiple top ten players uh, to to make a run. You know, in the yeah. same way that you need that in the NBA, you, you want to have a three headed monster. You know, the big three, um, and and they really have developed something like that with Wheeler even um, turning in a top 50 performance um, with his advanced metrics here. So, um, you know, Gonzaga definitely has the one-two with Timmy and Holmgren, but I think that because they are both bigs, it makes it a little bit more redundant. Um, Mm -hmm. And Nimhart is eighth. uh, So, you know, I mean, that's definitely a pretty good big three, uh, but... I don't know. I just think it's it's interesting to kind of look at it from that perspective. Yeah, I think that it's kind of misleading. I know that we've hated on Holmgren this entire season, basically. <laughs> but I think a player like him rating that highly, I think it's a little misleading because, I mean, you're he, he you know, he obviously he's super tall, so he gets blocks. Uh, what's his rebounding? Like, how many rebounds does he even get a game? It's not a ton, I don't think. I don't think uh, so. He's going to shoot a high percentage because he's always right. Next. I mean, even if the guy can shoot threes, he's so much taller than everybody else, especially in the in the West Coast Conference. He's just going to like he's going to be shooting an incredible percentage. So, I mean, I still don't. I, I would rather take at this point. I would rather take Kentucky's three guys over Gonzaga's because there's more uh, ball handling in their three. And because mm-hmm. they've played in bigger games, like Gonzaga had a lot of early season, which is no fault of their own. Um, they played all they could in the early season, but this time of year, teams are different. You kind of see who's really good and who's not. They beat UCLA early by a lot. Um, UCLA that game might go differently if it were played now. Um, the Duke game, you know, is close, but I don't really know what to think about Duke anymore. I just it's really they're very they're, you can tell they're a very freshman led team. Yes. And their consistency. They really um, remind me of UK teams in years past that like uh They really remind of, me of the Fox Monk. Yes, that's team. exactly what I was gonna say. They look yeah. like Fox and Monk. They have a ton of talent. You can tell that these guys are destined to be NBA All Stars. Yeah. They just are missing a little something um, yeah. of that veteran experience, um, which, you know, is definitely a, a possibility. Um when you're building a team with freshmen. Yeah. But then you got Kentucky who, you know, Kansas played the strategy of let Keon Brooks beat us, which pretty much any other time in the history of the world would have been a winning strategy for Kansas. Um, and it might possibly be after I, I very highly doubt that we would see Keon Brooks score 27 in a game again, but, um, it worked and you just have, you, you just have that many weapons on it's a very different than what I'm used to as watching Kentucky teams. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I would take, I would say Gonzaga and Kentucky as reflected in these lineup rankings, I would say that they're the two best teams in the country right now. No disrespect to Auburn, but also I'm disrespecting Auburn because <laughs> um, they beat Kentucky without, Ty Ty. And that's obviously a different team um, when he's playing well and not injured. And when Wheeler doesn't get laid out by a <laughs> screen, blindside screen in a game. So, yeah, no, those, those generally don't help you out a whole lot. So 
Well, I, I think that's pretty interesting. I, uh, I tend to agree, um, with, with a lot of that, um, as evidenced by my, you know, observations in previous podcasts. Um, I do think that Gonzaga's got, it's going to be interesting to see how they develop, um, Mm -hmm. as the season goes on. Um, They've passed most of their tests with flying colors to this point. They haven't really been tested in, in conference play. Um, you know, they're going to play at BYU on Saturday. I think that's going to be interesting. They're, they play uh, St. Mary's at home on the 12th the following Saturday. So, I mean, if those games are kind of close, that would be, you know, pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, if they're not and they really don't get tested a whole lot, um, again, that just makes me worry. There are only two games. I am double checking this right now. I believe that there are only two games that were within ten point or within eight points because they beat Tarleton State by nine. But the only other two games that were single digit decided by single digits, they lost. Yep. So. Um, while that's great (laughs) and, you know, I'd rather win by more than, you know, being a ton of close games. It also means, um, so if it's crunch time and you want to win the game, who's the ball going to, I mean, if you're Mark few, right. Lou, I mean, who are you going to? And you want to go to Timmy, you want to go to Timmy, but he can't create on his own. He's dependent on the ball handlers. So yeah, exactly. Last year you had, you know, you had uh, Suggs. And yes. that's just a completely different, different But even thing. that turned out to be difficult to rely upon as a freshman, as a player that is trying to, um, you know, establish himself. Uh, he, he was great, absolutely, but he was also untested in those tight moments because they didn't really face him that often. And so, um, you know, again, I would feel most comfortable with him with the ball in his hands. But again, like you said, it's really difficult for him to create off the bounce. I think that was proven in the Duke game. Uh, when, mm-hmm. you, when you're facing superior athletes, it just makes it really hard. Um, I would imagine in a UK Gonzaga showdown, you're, you're looking at um, Jacob Toppin, who I think is a more elite athletic defender. Um, you could maybe see Brooks on him. Um, and I just, I, that I don't think that he would win that matchup um, from the outside. I think that he has the possibility of maybe being a post presence, but again, um, you know, I, I just think that there are some strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. I think that the one thing that I would be afraid of if Kentucky played as a Kentucky fan, if Kentucky played Gonzaga would be surprisingly enough that Chad Holmgren matchup because only because when um, Kentucky played Auburn, uh, Oscar, he only had like 14 rebounds against Walker Kessler. And Walker Kessler had a bunch of dunks. I don't know whose fault that was. Uh, <laughs> defensively, I couldn't really, I wasn't really paying attention that much to that. But uh, some he got had wide open dunks and he's tall. So, you know, yes. if being tall creates, being over seven foot creates a problem. Even if you're the size of a toothpick, which Walker Kessler isn't. Walker Kessler has more bulk. But you could see a, a scenario where Holmgren could be an issue or, you know, maybe Kessler is just better than Holmgren and it wouldn't be an issue. I don't know. So. Yeah. 
Well, the fact that uh, Oscar dispatched uh, David McCormick with such ease on Saturday oh my gosh. makes you feel a little better because McCormick is a solid 6'10", 6'11", He wasn't even in the second half of that game. He was uh, just yeah. like, he yeah. was out. It was like, it, we got to get his this His spirit was broken. <laughs> it was, um, it should have been. It was pretty embarrassing. To, to me, the, to me, the weak link in, in UK and their hopes this season um, I think sort of fall at the feet of um, Wheeler uh, mm-hmm. be- because his defensive numbers give you some pause. And, and it makes sense. He's kind of vertically challenged height-wise. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I just feel like uh, you would want to see a little bit more um, – from a defensive stopper standpoint, because there are some pretty good guards on some of these top teams. And I think that's where, you know, UK's weakness is. Now, again, it's very matchup dependent. So if you don't have a guard that can take advantage of that size, um, you know, advantage there, maybe it doesn't matter as much, but it would just be something I would be concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, Or a blindside screen. Yeah, they're, Kentucky. They're, I think Kentucky's zero and two in in games where Wheeler gets taken out by a blindside screen. So you know, if the team wants to beat Kentucky, the strategy is obviously to knock <laughs> the crap out of Severe Wheeler early yes. on in the game. Yeah, that generally is pretty helpful. But I think that you know this is probably this has got to be Cal's best team since seventeen, eight easily. Easily since 17. Easily since 17. I yeah. mean, it definitely wasn't the... Um, I can't even remember his name. That, that 2018 team. Shea, Shea's team. Yeah. Because Shea wasn't Shea yet, and that team was just not great. The 2019 team with Tyler Hero, that, you just always kind of felt like they were missing something. 2020, they didn't have the guard play. They had quickly, but they didn't really have the guard play. This team is much better. In those, and last year, I don't even count them as a team that was just a train wreck that played basketball so yeah um yeah i think that in some ways they're better than the 2017 team because they don't have all the little hiccups uh that those guys had along the way because they were freshmen Mm -hmm. um but you can't argue talent wise they're any better than that team that team was loaded but um this team reminds me of a better version of the tyler of the tyler ulis team actually yeah, I was looking at that team with Eulis and Murray and Poitras. Yeah, that that name you just said was the reason that that team didn't do so well that year. <laughs> yeah. So there's always the one. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, in hindsight, I think you'd rather see Scal get those minutes that Poitras got, but. Well, Scal was also yeah. I forgot. I even for, I completely forgot he was even on that team. He was. I know, <laughs> so, right? Um, yeah, maybe that was the problem. Um, yeah. You replace Scal with Oscar, and you know, that's a pretty I think it's good interesting. Team. I think it's an interesting thing, but yeah, no, it's probably his best team in seven years. Um, and I, I think that's it's interesting in the scheme of um, sort of the legacy of John Calipari and, and what the future holds in Lexington. Um, 
Kentucky recently dethroned uh, Baylor, who I was surprised didn't have as many players or lineups that kind of fit mm-hmm. on this scale. Um, they've been really good all year, uh, so it's not like they haven't, you know, made a dent. But when you look at those top lineups, they're nowhere to be found. They're not. Um, you know, and I even tried, you know, scaling back you know, the numbers and like, maybe they just didn't play a lot. I mean, the best three main lineup they've got is probably Cryer, Meyer and Chamwa Chachua. Uh, And, you know, they're okay. I mean, they're definitely pretty good, but I don't just, I don't see it. And in the ways that they, in the ways that they play. All right. So, yeah, I just think that Baylor has had um, some interesting players. Akinjo is really good. I know that they've also been hit by COVID. They've had a lot of players in and out of lineups. So that may be a, a, a reason why they aren't in some of those higher usage lineups. But um, I still would have expected to see more of them. Um, but it looks like the lineups that they are in and actually a part of, they're, you know, they're not bad. They're definitely pretty good. But mm-hmm. Yeah, you just expect to see the number two Ken Palm team. I mean, stat based on efficiency, you would expect to see some of the players from one of the most efficient teams and these stats a little more and they're just not there. So the team that showed up more than I thought they would, um, and the team that I liked early and cooled off on because of a couple of early losses, um, to a Wisconsin team that we didn't know that was that good. And to an Alabama team that we thought maybe could be good is Houston. I actually read an article recently where they kind of talked about Kelvin Sampson building uh, the Texas version of Gonzaga. Um, Mm. And, you know, we also were worried because injury, um, you know, Sasser's been hurt. um, Tremont Mark has been hurt. But when you look at the team that has been constructed, they've still been ticking. Like they've still been, I've I've kept waiting for them to kind of fall off because, you know, yeah. When you lose so many guys and you're, you know, an American team and you're not a um, ACC or, you know, a powerhouse, you expect to drop off at some point. But they have managed to continue to play well. Um, and it's they're they're putting up good analytic numbers. They're ninth on offense they're 12th in defense, according to Ken Palm and their lineups actually show up a decent amount when you look at, um, you know, basically lineups of 150 or 130 or more in, in Evamia, a lot of Houston starts popping up. Um, so I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought Houston up. Uh, they're they're very good and a team that you don't really – I mean, you don't see their games on national TV – they're not really talked up a lot, but I mean, they were excellent last year. They made the final four um, this year that the, the numbers, the computer numbers love two teams every single year. And those uh, since probably for the past three or four years, they've loved Houston and they love Gonzaga and that used to be Virginia too, but Virginia is just so bad that nobody can love them this year. Right. But um, I don't know what it is. And it probably has something to do with their, the weaker conferences they can just beat the snot out of every game. But um, those teams are always up there. And I think it's a testament to Houston that they're included in that 
now because I mean it's it's going it's a trend now. It's not just every once in a while Houston's there. It's like every year, um, Kelvin Sampson just replaces players like it's like machinery. They come yeah. out and they're almost basically the same team every year, and they're just as good. So we're better than they were the previous year. Yep. No, for sure. Um, they've been really good and I'm just interested to see how sort of that unfolds, um, in the American. So I think overall your, your initial reaction or your initial findings of, of seeing a lot of Gonzaga in Kentucky, um, makes me wonder, um, is it, are, are, when we get down to crunch time and we're looking at those key lineup combinations, um, which is there another lineup combination out there that you kind of fear from a UK fan perspective, but also from the perspective of a team, if you're looking at, Hey, we know the benches are going to get shorter. We know that elite talent's going to win out um, and groups that play well together. Is there another one that maybe doesn't show up in the numbers, but you've kind of, as from a team standpoint, you like? Hmm. Well, um, Arizona. I, didn't, I just can't. I, I really like Arizona. They have really <laughs> good talent. But their talent, if you, if you go to the five-player lineup and you crank it up to 200, then they are fourth. Their starting lineup is fourth. Um, they... So we're going to talk about the bracketology later, which are all over the place, but you can see Arizona anywhere from a two to a four seed. If I was a one seed and I saw Arizona as a four, like what, what one seed would you feel confident would beat Arizona in the sweet 16? Um, you get, would you take Auburn confidently? Mm, I don't think so. I, I would I, take, I, I would take Arizona over Auburn. Yeah. Um, would you take Gonzaga confidently? I don't know that I could. Um, I mean, you would think they would win, but you wouldn't like be surprised if they didn't, right? Right, right. Um, or Purdue, or who's the other right now? Baylor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they're really good. Uh, Tubalus is really good, um, a big guy. I, I, for some reason, every person on Arizona's roster is a name that I can't pronounce. Um, that's my own fault. But they, <laughs> they, if I mean, they lost the other day. They got beat by UCLA pretty badly, but their guard missed every single shot he took. And and you can't. I mean, yeah, if, if their guard, if their starting guard, uh, what's his name, Krisa, Krisa, Krisa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. He was like 0 for 100 that game. And, I mean, everybody's going to lose a game when their best shooter is scoreless. But I think that Arizona, I, I don't know. I feel like I've been hyping up Arizona, so it always surprises me when I hear people be like, oh. Like I, I was listening to uh, Matt Jones the other day, and he was talking about, oh, the bracketology has Arizona as the three seed for Kentucky's region. I'd take that 100 times. I'm like, really? <laughs> I would rather take Wisconsin, you know, or right. somebody else as a three seed. Don't don't give me Arizona. I think they're tough. I mm-hmm. think they're going to be really tough to beat. 
Yes, I would agree. I think they're really, really difficult. Um, and honestly, the numbers bear that out. I mean, out of, you know, s- sort of right below all of the Kentucky Gonzaga lineups is Arizona. Mm-hmm. And actually, the lineup that I thought of before even looking at the numbers was Villanova. Yeah, yeah. So those four, I mean, when I think of them, uh, Dixon, Gillespie, Moore, and Samuels, those four, uh, they are that next team. They are literally the mm-hmm. next team underneath those in G- Kentucky, Gonzaga, and Arizona lineups. It's Villanova. Um, and I, I never would have thought of that when I'm looking at these four, four team lineups. Um, and of course, they have played a lot together. They, they've gotten over 400 some possessions as that foursome um, because they play all the time. But when you look at them sort of as a collective group looking long term, um, closing out games in the tournament, it's just it's hard to go against that group um, because of their experience. Now, can they make a extended run? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're going to definitely they've they've tried to work on some depth, um, and some of the minutes have kind of switched back and forth, and and they've kind of won a few more games via blowout, um, which has allowed them to maybe develop some of that. But overall, you know, I still wouldn't love to face a Villanova team in the tournament. No, so. absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know, the the one thing I would be nervous about with Villanova is that it's possible the Big East is as bad as we thought it was going to be preseason. Right. Um right now, it's possible, which would help their numbers, but at the same time, Villanova is definitely underrated right now. Like they've been underrated since the Baylor game, and they're probably going to continue to be. I don't know what it'll take for them to uh, make up for that, just because they look so terrible. But right, um, I mean, it's they're they're playing much better than they were then, and they're and they're beating almost everybody they play. So, and like you said, and we mentioned it earlier in the year, their starting five is really really good. The problem is is they don't really have anybody after that. Um, but you know, in the tournament, if you're healthy, it may not matter. It only really matters if you get an injury. So, right. And, and cause honestly, the, I, I think the, the adrenaline sort of takes over and you, you play harder and you don't care as much, um, about, you know, taking, taking days or plays off because, you know, we're still ultimately talking about 24 year old people, um, you know, kind of making a run. And, and so rest is not as necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, so overall, I think the lineup date is interesting. It's something we'll track. And, and, you know, if we get to the end of the regular season, I'd love to take a look at this again and see if Kentucky and Gonzaga are still dominating it in the way that they are. And honestly, at the pace that both teams are on, I would imagine that would be the case. Um, so uh, we will definitely check back on that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to go ahead and move ahead to our next uh, uh, segment and look at the colored glasses. And so for this, you had a great idea. I loved it. We're going we're gonna to talk about it here. Um we talk a lot of, you know, in this section, we talk about the media, um, whether what they're saying, what they're doing. And in this case, uh, we are going to take a just quick look at how games are being pre-
presented on television. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, you had some thoughts. I'm gonna let you lead off this segment, and I will follow up. Yeah. So basically, my th- initiating thought was this: Why does ESPN's presentation suck so bad? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so terrible? Okay, so I feel like when I was younger, you know, high school age, like the the early 2000s to late 2000s, ESPN was just like head and shoulders above. Their presentation was great. The way it looked, the the sounds and stuff like that, the, the announcing, team, announcing teams, for the most part, you still had, you know, some announcers that didn't know what they were talking about, as you always do. But, but now you have like, ever since they changed presentation with all the chevrons, you remember that's it's been like a really long time now, but just like all the little chevrons all over the place. Um, the way that they it just looks like a kid's coloring book. Um, but <laughs> e- even besides the aesthetic of it, it's just it's it's become really apparent that they don't value it and and as much as other things. And and when I say that, I'm just talking about the fact that the the season starts with the. Uh, the champions classic, right? Right. We get the four, arguably the four most notable teams in the, in college basketball, they're playing, it's the showcase and they spend the entire halftime segment talking about college football bowl games, like the entire (laughs) thing. And then last weekend, you know, I'm watching Kansas, I'm watching Kansas, Kentucky and at halftime they have Reese Davis talking about Tom Brady. And it's just like, come on, guys! Like, let college basketball shine. I know, I know that was huge news, but still, I mean, it's college basketball. Let's talk about college basketball. Most of the time, at this time of year, if people are watching college basketball, it's because they want to watch college basketball. And then you have, <laughs> <laughs> and then you have CBS, who they've basically kept theirs the same for a million years, and it's still awesome. You know, right? Uh, you got the studio guys. You've got Raftery, who's must be like 136 and he's just still just as great as he was when he was 98. And, um, you know, you, you enjoy, it's just way more fun to watch a game on CBS than it is on ESPN. Um, I guess I watch, I watch a lot of the sec network, which must be like ESPN's C team or something. And it's just not, it's not great. And then you've got, it's better than the big 12, but we'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) But then well, something I was going to say is I actually enjoy watching the Big East games on the weekend on Fox. On, okay. uh, you know, like the actual Fox channel, not Fox Sports Net, yeah. but on Fox. You know, they got they got Gus Johnson. They do. Um, sometimes they have Big Ten games on there, too. But I just think that they have a really solid presentation. It's like if you're watching this, you don't. When I watch an ESPN game now, I watch the game, and then at any point in time where there's not a game going on, I mute the te- television. It's just like, I like Jay Billis, but it's just come on. It's just football or some interview with some random baseball player or something. And on the other channels, it seems like they're about college basketball, so I enjoy that. Yes. And I'm just it makes me sad for the days of like, Big Monday, ACC Wednesday, you know, ESPN right Uh, absolutely yes that's that's my rant i guess no i get it i get it i i have had some similar thoughts well here are my big takeaways on how games are being presented the first being um espn's 
if it's not the prime time game, if it's not the A team for ESPN color commentators, announcers, um, it's not great. Uh, Their their second tier basketball announcers are, in a word, flat. They just Mm -hmm. don't feel like they have any connection to the game. Oh, wait, that's because they aren't actually there. They've cut costs. (laughs) And you have these guys dressing up in suits in their living rooms, watching a television, doing exactly what I could do, probably better as a fan of a team that's in the game. Uh, They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's going on. There's no one in the arena. So when, like, there's a stoppage in play... And you've got them maybe discussing this technical or whatever. They These guys have no clue. So there's nothing for them to talk about. And it just leads to this very disjointed, very terrible presentation. Um, it's awful. It is absolutely terrible. To piggyback on top of that, they have put a number of their games on ESPN+, Plus, which is fine. I understand you're mm-hmm. trying to sell a subscription service. Everyone's got a plus these days. I get that. But... It's led to really, really shoddy. And I, I don't know if it's because they're using like grad assistants to man these cameras that have never seen a, a, a sports oh, game yeah. in their life because they, all they do is play World of Warcraft in their parents' basement in their free time. But they have no <laughs> idea where to put the camera. They don't know which one yeah. to switch to. I don't know who the director in the truck is. If it's just some college intern who's just like, trying to get by um for these games but it is terrible yeah i mean all of a sudden you're watching the guy dribble the ball down the court from like the corner baseline like the referee's shoe or something is there like a referee <laughs> shoe camera and it's and it's like oh here's what it would look like if you had the worst seat in the building um <laughs> so yeah i agree the camera angles i didn't even get into that but it's just weird yes it's just the- really weird they they switch they switch to the baseline cam so they've got you know the guy in the rolly chair or sitting on his butt on the baseline by by the rim but they'll 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 put that shot up as the as they're trying to like inbound it which yeah. okay you're trying to get the perspective of the ball but you understand that the dude is looking at the guy's knees and you can't see past him so you're not really getting the perspective of the ball. You're just getting the back of the dude's legs as he's trying to throw it in, and then you can't see. And then the kicker for me is when they're they they like hit the the button to switch back like to the regular um, view like three seconds too late. So like in a ton of games, I don't know even how many like they will have it at that baseline, you know, shot. I get you're trying to break it up and make it more interesting visually. But then you have to switch back to see the play. But it takes them like five seconds. So by the time they switch back, the shot's already gone up and you have no idea where the ball's at. It's bounced off for a rebound and they're going the other way. Yeah. So it's- and, <laughs> and also, it's like, why are you trying to make it more visually interesting? We want to watch the ball game. Like if, 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 I'm in a, if I'm in a basketball arena and I'm sitting in my seat watching a game, I'm not thinking, man, I'm going to get up and for the second half and go stand behind the backboard. So I can see it from a different perspective because this is boring me. Like, I don't need that. I don't need that. I just want to see what's happening in the game. And you don't see stuff like that with CBS. You don't see stuff like that with Fox. No. They're they're a lot more steady, and, and you can tell what's happening with the game. It reminds me of a more traditionally produced game. And I so, again, I don't know a ton about how TV works, but... 
Um, it just feels like ESPN has lowered their quality. The other part is like half the time when I'm watching on ESPN Plus, and I don't know if you get this on the SEC Network, uh, but like the shot clock just disappears randomly. Um, mm. It's not wrong in the arena, but it's definitely not right on the scoreboard um, on their graphic. And the timer it can get off. Um, it's just it's little things like that uh, that just drive me crazy when I'm watching their games. Now I also have feelings about Fox. Uh, the The fact that the font size for each team name is like <laughs> it's gigantic, nine, ninety eight. <laughs> million i noticed um, that i noticed that <laughs> a couple of days ago it's like wow i can't even see the bottom third of the screen because of the, how giant the scoreboard like, is down here i think i was watching one of the purdue games and one of the purdue players shot a three but i couldn't tell if it was a three or not because it was blocked <laughs> by the name of the team i was like well maybe you need to scale that back otherwise i agree i think overall their their product is better um now whether that actually translates into dollars um and them actually getting more games i don't know uh but i think to me the peak the pinnacle uh is is still cbs which is great since they have the tournament so yeah um, i hope they keep it forever because yes. between them i don't and think Turner, i could watch a tournament yeah i'd rather listen to charles barkley talk about college teams that he has no idea what's going on like i'd rather listen to that because at least he's talking about basketball than yeah. uh, Reese Davis talk about Peyton Man or Tom Brady or whomever. Yeah, he poor, might even be talking poor about Reese Davis. <laughs> Reese Davis is like uh, the host of Survivor and Regis Philbin and uh, Ryan Seacrest and the fact that he just doesn't age. Yes, he's he like doesn't age and he's on everything. He's he on doesn't everything. age and he's on everything. <laughs> but but yeah, I just let him talk basketball. And um, uh, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. Um. Anyway, I, I had this other thought about presentation and CBS. Okay, so um, humor me here. All right. What are the odds? Give me, give me. You know, the tournament selection committee is always like, "Oh well, we don't look at matchups." Okay. <laughs> what are the odds? Th- there's a regional in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh huh. Let's say Duke wins out. And let's say Kentucky has one more loss. Duke winds up on arguably a one seed. Kentucky winds up arguably they could be fit on the two line. There's a regional in Philadelphia. Coach K's last year. 1992. <laughs> Elite eight game. Elite eight game. Um, almost to the day. I actually checked this today. The Elite Eight in the Philadelphia region will be played on March 27th, the Elite Eight game. In 1992, it was played on March 28th. The Leitner shot was March 28th, 1992. So are you telling me that CBS would willingly pass up the the uh, possibility of having one Duke versus two Kentucky in Philly on March 27th, 30 years later, in Coach K's last year. Do you think that, like, what is, how much, does CBS know that this is a possibility, first of all? And I, if they'd find out that it is, what are they going to do to make sure that this happens? Uh, like, how many games are they going to fix? How many refs are they going to buy off in order to make sure that this game happens? I would say the odds are high. I'd actually say it's a greater likelihood that that's flip-flopped and that 
Duke would end up on the two line and UK is on the one line. But if you still get that matchup at, at the end, it doesn't really matter. It's really hard to say that they wouldn't put them together, um, especially with West Virginia having a terrible year, um, whom they love to always pair with with Cal and That's Kentucky. True. They'll still find uh, a way. They'll find a way. Um, West Virginia will be the 16th. If, if West Virginia can get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something. Uh, but I don't know. I think that would be interesting. Um, I I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew it was 30 years ago. I didn't realize that it was in Philadelphia and all of those things. So, yeah. So, yeah, there may be as long as who does Oscar get to step on if this game happens? Which player does he get to stomp on? Who would be the equivalent? I don't even know. But I definitely wouldn't want Oscar taking a turnaround jumper at the buzzer. Yeah. Uh, no, definitely not. Maybe Keon, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, thanks. Yeah. So, um, anyway, to to kind of wrap this up, ESPN get better, please. Please, for I miss good of, ESPN. Yeah, for the sake of all that is good. I mean, honestly, their college football programming is just as bad. So. Anyway, just get better, period, and, and you know, I don't know. Take some of the money that you're earning from Encanto and all of the Disney Plus yeah, movies please. And, and, and turn it turn your broadcast product into something decent, you know. Because, honestly, like, their college football, like, their champions, they're big games. They're pri- like I said, their primetime games are pretty good. I mean, they still got some good announcers. They've got... They do two or three that are aren't bad, and when they actually have their, you can tell when they have their best uh, director and producers on that game, and when it's not, when they aren't even there and they're zooming in to the game to announce it, it's just it's awful, it's terrible. We deserve better. College basketball fans deserve better. So absolutely. uh, Well, to wrap us up, uh, we are going to take a look at three bracketology predictions that have been made by the media so it's kind of a blending of colored glasses and future vision so we're looking at three mike decorsi with uh c college basketball and fox uh jerry palm our, our boy jerry palm uh on cbs and joey brackets joe Lenardi at for espn we are just looking at the top four seeds in each i will read them out um uh region by region um and our our job here is to say who we think has the best top four seeds um, in each region. Okay, you before think you are do the that, most realistic and most correct. Before you do that, I just realized the the Mike DeCursey one I have is from January fourth, so I <laughs> I'm going to say that it's probably the worst right now, just because <laughs> it's from three weeks ago, but um, or a month ago. Yeah, that probably would make it not so great. Um, let's see if we can't, uh, I'll look at finding that, or if you want to look at trying to find I'll, that. I'll try to find it. I'll try to find a new one. Okay. Um, actually I got it and I will, I will share Make sure you have it so that you can compare cause it's, I'd hate to judge him on eight hours ago. Work. Okay. That sounds yes. better. Yes. I was going to say, I just saw the new one. So, um, I just, we have the wrong link podcasting on the fly so right. 
Um, we so are I'm professional. Gonna, I'm going to go through the Midwest region first. And uh, they have... Well, let's start with Jerry Palm. Okay. <laughs> let's just, let's just start hey, there. Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Glad you, glad you listened. We let, we're very appreciative, Jerry. Yes. Uh, so the one seed is Auburn. Okay, that's not that big of a surprise other than the fact that maybe they wouldn't be in the Midwest if they're the number one overall seed. I would imagine they would be in the South if it were. But anyway, um, Auburn is the one. Purdue is the two seed. Texas Tech is the three seed. Hmm. And Arizona is the four seed. Okay. So that's their that's his Midwest. I'm just we're just gonna look Midwest, Midwest, Midwest. All right. All right. All right. Midwest um is actually also uh with Joey Brackett's also Auburn. So they they have that in common. The second okay. best or the two seed for Joey Brackett's for ESPN is Kansas. Three is Michigan State, and four is Providence. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um and then our Mike DeCourcy, their mid his Midwest is Baylor, mm-hmm. uh, UCLA, Providence as the three seed, and Michigan State as the four. Okay. Who, who do you like? What do you like? Which ones? Okay, so B- baffle um, the mind. The thing that I just don't understand is how in the world did Jerry Palm have Arizona as a four? (laughs) Like, because we, you know, you had a little back and forth with them on Twitter. Thanks, by the way, Jerry, for acknowledging our existence. Uh But um, he said he always does his brackets as if the tournament started today. So how in the world would Arizona (laughs) be a four? Are you saying Arizona is just barely a top? They're ranked somewhere between 12 and 16. In any type of in any type of objective ranking at all, that's that's not how. I don't. That doesn't make any sense. So he's in last just because of the sheer whatever that is of putting Arizona as a four seed. And I just looked at his bracket and I saw Houston as a five in the same bracket. Okay, this is just. <laughs> yeah, on, we're gonna Palm. get to the people that aren't in the top four. Houston um, and Arizona as a four and a five, like, okay. Are they going to lose, like, seven more games each? I don't understand how that's going to happen. Anyway, yeah, Palm gets last place. Um, Joey Brackets gets first place because his seems I, – I, I don't know why uh, Purdue would – or not Purdue, Providence would be on the top three seed line at this point. You're saying they're a top 12 team, and they're just – they're not – so. They're not. They they are 49th in in Ken Palm, and their best yeah. win is over Wisconsin. Or probably actually, their best win is probably over Texas Tech. So yeah, and Texas Tech is on the three line. And there's no way at this point, if the tournament started tomorrow, there's no way Providence would be a three. Um, when you have who who else has he got here? Um, I, I, I guess it could, I, I'll give him second just because you could, I guess you could make an argument. Providence only has two losses, even though they've really not, I don't know how they, only they lost by losses. 18 to Virginia. I mean, yeah, I, I thought, I thought everyone, that every hurt. good team was over that. Yeah. Um, and honestly their best win over Texas tech was a true home game for them. And Texas tech. I mean, if Texas tech is a three, I think. You can just. This isn't going to be the way it is by the t- by the end of the season. 
Yeah. And there's no way Arizona would be a four seed right now. That's just crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go out west. Let's go to okay. the west, west west region. Um, let's start with DeCourcy this time. Uh, he's got Gonzaga, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona as the two seed. That mm-hmm. makes some sense. That's way better. Um, Kentucky as the three seed. And mm-hmm. Houston as the four seed. Um, okay. So that honestly... Seems fairly reasonable. I'd probably I mean, have Houston higher. It's kind of shortchanging Houston, but I mean that's mostly because we look at the like Ken Palm numbers, and I don't know that they actually do when they do the brackets. So yeah, uh, the West for Joey brackets is Gonzaga number one, UCLA number two, Wisconsin number three, and Texas Tech as a four seed. Nothing wrong with that. I don't have any complaints. Let's go out west to to. To the crazy land of, of Jerry Palm. Uh, Gonzaga's the one seed. Okay. UCLA's the two seed. I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah. LSU is the three seed. And Iowa State is a four seed. Okay, Jerry. <laughs> so you has he does he know that there's that LSU and Iowa State are still in the three and four lines? Is he is he aware of this? Like, did he just change, like, the top nine and forget about everything after? Because I'm pretty sure LSU and Iowa State have losing conference records right now, don't they? Um, I know sure. I know Iowa State does, and they just got beat again tonight. Oh, did um, they, they lose? Yeah, they lost at home to Kansas. And uh-huh. LSU has lost four of their last five. They're 500 in SEC play. Or is that what, if the tournament ended today, we'd have a team that just lost four of their last five on the three line? And it's not like this was updated a week ago. This was updated yesterday. So it does, yesterday. I mean, it, it wouldn't know about games that happened yesterday or today. So Okay, well, LSU hasn't played yesterday or today. <laughs> so, <laughs> that and I'm sure if they had trending the way they are, they probably would have lost. So... Um, I don't I know. Guess, I don't know if he's like one of those dudes that just looks at like who's their best win. Okay, their best win is better than anybody else's win, so they're in. Doesn't okay. Ooh, so their win against count. is their win against Kentucky without Severe Wheeler better than anything Arizona has. Um, I mean, I guess. I mean, if you're looking at Kimpom numbers, sure. Shouldn't the fact is. that Arizona has only lost twice on the road count for something? That's just that doesn't make any know. sense. I, I just need know. I need Jerry Palm to like come to my house and explain to me. I need to like watch him do this because it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I, if if I'm picking, I actually like Jerry Brackett's uh, bracket a little bit better um, than DeCourcy just because I think that he undersells Houston, and yeah. I like sort of I think I can see Wisconsin as a three seed. Um, especially if they're the automatic qualifier out of the Big Ten. I think, you know, they definitely are deserving of at least oh, a yeah. three seed. Um, and then Texas Tech, I think, is is a pretty solid four seed. Um, I know that they have had their ups and downs, but they've, you know, consistently been a top 16 team. So, yeah, I do like to see that. All right, let's go to the south real quick. Or, um, um yes, let's go to the south. Uh, we'll start with uh, Joey Brackets this time. Uh, his South bracket has Baylor as the one, Kentucky as the two, Arizona as the three, and Houston as the four. That is a brutal. That's bracket. a pretty loaded bracket. <laughs> and Alabama yeah, I, as the five. 
I still don't understand why Arizona is getting. I guess it's is it just based on the fact that they don't have what is perceived as good wins? Because I don't know why Arizona wouldn't be on the two line. I think it was the fact that they lost to UCLA by sixteen, and it wasn't really close. Um, I think that kind of hurt their credibility, and they beat yes, they beat Illinois, um, and that was a, a good win. Um, but we we've kind of seen that Michigan isn't like a superstar yeah. team. So really, their only great win, their only top 25 win in Ken Palm is Illinois. And it was close. And again, it was an away win. I mean, it's definitely valid, but they lost at Tennessee. They lost pretty big at UCLA. So yeah. I think there is some doubt. I guess, that, I mean, yeah, the Michigan win doesn't look great right now because Michigan's, Michigan's terrible. Um, that Wyoming win might wind up being better than the Michigan win honestly. But uh, yeah, okay, so you have a case for them being a three. I still don't think there's any way they would fall to a four. That's yeah, just no. crazy. I mean... Yeah, I don't think so. But okay, okay, so Joey Joey knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I still think it's a really tough bracket, and honestly, I could see Houston kind of working up closer to a three line, um, but a four isn't... Yeah, I could too. Isn't, isn't worst case scenario... Um, if you look at the South it, for DeCourcy, it's Auburn, Purdue, Villanova, and Texas Tech as yeah, the one, I mean, two, that's three. Pretty, that's pretty standard. Let's go to Jerry yeah. Palm. Oh, man. And looking What'd at Jerry, do, Jerry Palm, he's got Baylor, Providence as the two seed. Yes, Providence as a two seed. We've already, okay. we've already discussed them. We know where he's at. Um, and finally, uh, the four seed is Michigan State. Okay, let me let me keep scrolling down so I can find Purdue or Providence on on Ken Palm real quick. Let me keep scrolling. Almost there. Almost there. Oh, there they are at forty ninth. <laughs> okay, so what wins do they have that's better than Arizona? What they beat Texas they Tech at home. Yes. They beat what? Connecticut on the road. Is Seton Hall a good win? Is it better than uh, beating whoever Arizona beat in the Pac-12 right now? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get you it. Flip, don't... flip Arizona and Providence for me, and I don't really have that big of a problem with Jerry, honestly. Right. And on yeah. Well, how about just move Kentucky up? A line. If or you move Kentucky up. Yeah. They Which he Kansas did have Kentucky. He had Kentucky out of the tournament like three weeks ago. So that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. We, uh, Jerry. Um, we need to talk again, and and we'll we'll probably talk soon. Um, so let's just Illinois go has through a six. What? Yeah. No. I no idea, man. No idea. All right. Finally, let's go to the east. Um, and let's just get through Jerry's because we know it's going to be crazy. Uh, Wisconsin, a one seed. <laughs> well, sure. Sure. <laughs> of course. Who sure. doesn't have Wisconsin as a one seed right now? Um, I mean, yeah. Anyway, uh, so there's that. They would be uh, a 25th in Ken Palm. 
one seed. All right, anyway, uh, they're the one seed. Kansas is the two seed. Duke is the three seed. Villanova is the four seed. I honestly don't have a problem with that if you just kind of put it in different order. Like, I could see Kansas is maybe, like, if they win the Big 12, they win out, they they do some work, they, they could be a one seed. Uh, Duke easily could play their way into a two seed. Villanova definitely could play their way up to a three seed. And then Wisconsin can fit in at a, at, at a four seed. I, I could see that. He just he has the right teams, Luke, just maybe in the wrong order. Yeah, yeah, he does. It's uh, maybe he has them all um and one of those things that you just like shake up and it comes up. Yeah. Maybe he just like puts the names Magic in there. Magic ball. He just shakes it. <laughs> yeah, he just shakes it and then wherever they wherever they land, he just puts them down cuz he knows nobody's going to n- talk about this in a week. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, but I I just don't understand why Wisconsin would be a one. Don't get it. Don't get Just, it. I don't understand. Don't understand. All right. Uh, Jerry Brackett says Purdue is a one seed. Uh, yeah, that makes, fair. that makes sense. Duke is a two seed. Again, we've talked a little bit about that. Nova as a three seed, which again is kind of yeah. what we hinted at. He does have Tennessee as sense. a four seed, which I think yeah. is interesting. Yeah, um, good for their 13. Uh, so, it's a happy 13. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see that one. Um, DeCourcy's East is Wisconsin as a one seed. So he okay. is actually on the same page as uh, as as our boy Palm. Give Kansas me that a- one seed, please. Yeah, I'll take Wisconsin in my bracket as the one. Yeah, Kansas as the two seed, Duke as the three seed, and LSU as the four seed. That's still too high for LSU, but it don't, yeah. it won't matter. They'll lose enough to the fall anyway. Yeah. So um, okay, let's, let's- so tell me this. Tell me this. Wisconsin North. Do you, they get past North Carolina or Davidson? In uh, that no. bracket, because that's the eight nine matchup. No, that I would definitely pick them to lose right then. So yep, yep, they're done. Okay. They're done right there. And honestly, if UNC Wilmington gets hot from three, I could see them losing in the first round. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> um. Uh. Hey, UMBC did it. So. Um. They totally did. The only other so if you're looking at these across for DeCourcy, he's got well actually let's just do it for Palm because you know that's the one we really care about. So the one yeah. seeds are Wisconsin, Auburn, Gonzaga, and Baylor. Um honestly, don't really have a problem with three of them. One of them is nope. off. Uh the two seeds are Kansas, Providence, UCLA, and Purdue. Don't have a problem with three of them, have a problem with mm-hmm. one of them. Uh look at the three seeds, Kentucky, Duke uh lsu and texas tech honestly i could go either way like kentucky could be a three they could be a two duke could be a three they could be a two um so I, I, you can I make a, you can make an intelligible case that there'd be there would be threes right now i don't know how you do that for lsu i don't know how to do that for lsu and i re, you know as, as i mean as would as, they did he have them as a one before they went lost four or five like i don't understand i just it doesn't make any sense to me why yeah, they would be I, so I, I don't get that one so really, he's really. I mean, and Texas Tech, I think, is pretty solidly a three seed. Um, maybe yeah, they're three four. Or four. So I mean, it's arguable. I mean, it's close enough that you could have a case. Arizona, Iowa State, Michigan State, and Villanova as your four seeds. I think this is the one that is most egregious. I think Arizona is criminally underseeded. Iowa State Villanova. is criminally overseeded. Nova yep. is. Eh, I, I mean, I could see Nova being a four seed because of kind of where they've they've landed i think can the analytics love them i think what they've actually done on the floor they they're kind of a four seed um and then michigan state there is this love affair with them um 
I think because yeah. they played teams close-ish. I I mean, their best win is probably Wisconsin or UConn. I feel like everyone's best win is UConn. Um, Did, wh- <laughs> why is it that it seems like every Big Ten team has lost to another Big Ten team? Like, I feel like you, Wisconsin only has three losses, but at the same time, I feel like you can name six teams in the Big Ten they've lost to. Yeah, and the same for Purdue and the same for Michigan State. I don't, I don't get that conference. Is it just do they just switch jerseys and they're just like rotating players around? I think that's how that works. I think that's how that works. So also, you can watch Michigan State this year and watch Michigan Michigan State from two thousand three, and it's basically the same team. Same team, like they don't switch. Yeah. Well, I think overall, if I had to pick a bracket, I'd pick Joe Lenardi right now. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Time will tell. I mean, maybe Palms it will eventually ease itself out. You know, I mean, if it's like if the tournament started today, eventually the tournament is going to start. So then he'll have a chance to make a final call. Um, and, you know, we'll reserve final judgment for that. But I don't know. It's just interesting. Uh, yeah, that we still we've done this for years decades that we've looked at this bracket and we still don't i don't feel like we're really that good at it yet <laughs> there's a reason why joe lenardi is the you know he's the originator he's his is definitely the best here that yeah like you look at this and you are like oh, i could that looks kind of similar to what i could imagine myself filling out right 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 um, absolutely so um again i know we're presuming a lot of things happening um with how games will go, how teams will finish. So there is definitely some of that, but um, I don't know. We'll let the games play out and we'll see, but I just, maybe by the end, Jerry Palm will have it all figured out and he'll ace, he'll ace it. He'll get all, you know, 60, 68 teams. Right. But <sighs> I just doesn't look, doesn't look that we're pulling for up. you, Jerry. We're just trying to help. We're yes, just trying that's, to help. It's just helpful, helpful conversations here. Well, I think this conversation has run long enough. 70 minutes, I think, is a pretty good length of time to talk about college basketball. Um, we will definitely go longer on Selection Sunday. I know we keep bringing it up, but that's because we are willing to We're just it trying to, to prepare you all. Yes. <laughs> You're going to have to set aside an entire wait, an enti- all the awake hours of a day in order yes. to listen to that podcast. Yes, <clears throat> absolutely. So um, any final words, Luke? Uh, no. <laughs> no, nothing else. I, I hope I, I was just thinking that uh, the Texas Texas Tech game is going on tonight, and I hope I don't read a AP headline about how someone, you know, tried to assassinate somebody at the game or something. So that would be great. That would be great. Uh, hopefully, that won't happen. That is definitely not in the plans. I don't believe so. Um, I sure hope not. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can get a score for our, our listeners that they're already going to know um texas tech is up by 14 right now um remember the the aforementioned no lsu uh tigers losing at halftime to ole miss by 13 40, 45 to 32 um but it looks like the auburn train is continuing to roll um connecticut again becomes the best win for creighton as that is sort of yukon's mo this season we're just going to be your best win <laughs> uh yeah michigan state got wow. pushed by maryland tonight um and then you you already mentioned kansas over tennessee scored 90 
Hey, I mean, pretty sometimes Fulkerson can get hot, I guess. I'm uh, going to make a prediction right now that Alabama Alabama is going to win this game. Alabama's um, going to come back from 14 down. Yep. All right. Well, Hey, I've, I'm usually wrong. I mean, might as well <laughs> be wrong again. <laughs> yeah, what's one more wrong answer? All right. Well, um, with that, we will call it an evening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you actually get to listen to this one. (laughs) So we'll get it up uh, tomorrow on uh, which today uh, time travel during podcasts makes my brain hurt. So um, yeah, I know that there there are professionals that do it a lot better than us, but that's okay. Um, Well, with that, thank you, Luke. Thank you listeners. And remember you can never study the game enough.